I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, here with me, Dr. Janelle Anderson, where it is my job to share with you the latest and best ideas on workplace dynamics, communication and leadership, and delivering actionable tips and techniques that you can use at work today. Now, today, my friends, I have part two of a very special program. I was recently a guest on a program hosted by my good friend, Dr. Amy Jalman, who is the director of a human resources program at St. Mary's University of Minnesota. The program was called New Solutions for the New Normal, Tough Conversations in the Remote Work Environment and Beyond. And if you tuned in to our last episode, episode 19, you caught the first half of that discussion. Now, during this session, Amy and I are continuing our conversation, tackling the tough questions that we've been receiving throughout the pandemic. These tough questions about remote work, hybrid work, sensitive management issues, annoying colleagues, and all the rest. Now, we've structured it like questions in an advice column, much like you might read in Dear Abby. We dish on our takes for these awkward management and work from home situations that have come to light during the pandemic. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the first part of the series, make your way over to workingconversations.com forward slash 19 and download the first part of the conversation. Here is the second part of the conversation. So please enjoy our Dear Abby style conversation as we troubleshoot some of the challenging workplace situations of our time. Okay, so let's hear from Casual in Connecticut. (laughs) So uh, Casual Connecticut's employee, or maybe it's their boss, has uh, possibly embraced casual dress a bit too fully and regularly attends meetings right after working out in a t-shirt, etc. So I'm concerned that the lack of professionalism may be affecting how seriously people take them. And I'm genuinely worried about their reputation. So should I say something? That's a tough one. What do you think, Janelle? Oh, I think, I think yes. I think yes. And again, I think, you know, whether it's, if, if it's your employee, it's a little bit easier to have this conversation because you're, you're not necessarily managing up, you're managing down. In this, managing in this. up is always a little harder. Yeah. Managing up is a little, needs a little lighter touch and a little more nuance. Um, maybe we should address it both from a, if it were down and if it were up. Yeah, know, that's a great idea. Approach. Um, so if it's, if it's your employee, I think everything is on the table right now in terms of talking about work habits and work environment. I mean, if you think about when we're co-located, we spend all this time putting together ergonomically safe and appropriate workstations for people. And then when, when they're working from home, are we even asking them what their workstation looks like? Because I found many situations where people could be coached very easily about whether it's a distracting background or workspace or whatever to coach them easily into a situation that's going to be more supportive of the work that they're doing. And I think that includes dress as well. Now, early on in the pandemic, it was everybody showing up to work in their pajamas. 
and they weren't turning their cameras on. And so nobody knew they were in their pajamas. And I've been telling people since day one of the pandemic, get dressed for work, take a shower. You might scale back your hygiene a little bit, but do at least the basic hygiene and dress for work. And we can think about specifically like, uh, you know, you mentioned Target earlier, other companies have a dress for your day policy. Um, that is what Target started at and then turned into the work for your day policy. So if you know you're meeting with senior leaders, you dress it up a little bit. And if you know you're meeting just with your own immediate uh, colleagues, maybe you dress it down a little bit. So I think I would have that conversation with the employee saying, this is what's appropriate in our organization. And again, if it's a larger organization, there's a good chance that there was some sort of a dress code policy on file anyway. So we could draw back to that and either work with our HR team, if, if that makes sense, or just work directly with the employee to say, how are we going to modify this in a way that feels um, still professional, but also acknowledges the work from home environment that we're in. Yeah, and I think that that's a really great, so that was our addressing to peers and employees, yes? That was yeah. the, yeah. Uh, I think the only thing that I would add there is that I had a personal experience. And so I just want to acknowledge Casual in Connecticut's concern at how it is affecting reputation, because I, I had something in my own work history and very similar. And it actually reflected negatively on the entire team. And the, the individual at the heart of it took it as a badge of honor, right? Of, uh, we don't, we don't have to follow traditional guidelines because we're so good. Cause we were, we were really highly productive team. And because of that, like actually had an awareness that it was a problem, but was really, um, resistant to change. And because it went on so long, it was harder to correct. So that the, uh, that was the other thing that kind of came to my mind. I mean, maybe it's too late at this point, a year into a pandemic. Um, but the, it, this, I think, is one of those things that doesn't correct itself. And the longer it goes on, the more difficult it is to to shift. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, shifting to giving this feedback to a supervisor. Yeah. Upward, if you're giving this conversation and having this uh, upward with your supervisor, I think I would address the the reputation piece. I would go on the, you know, and I would not necessarily to pander to the to, to the manager, but to acknowledge to the manager that the manager is the face of the team. Manager is in a sense kind of represents the brand of the team. And and I would be direct and specific with what my concerns were. And I would do it in a very pleasant and professional way myself, because if I'm going to address his or her professionalism, I need to make sure that, you know, if I'm, if I'm calling out somebody else on their professionalism, I need to make sure that I'm doing it with the utmost respect and professionalism myself. So I think word choice is going to matter here greatly. I think this would be a great conversation to practice with somebody else first. Um, Ideally not somebody else on the team, because (laughs) (laughs) that is going to, Start some little, you know, backwater conversations happening. It starts to feel conspiratorial at that point. <laughs> it does. So I would get some, I would, I would practice it a, a time or two and get really comfortable and specific with the exact language I wanted to use so that I kept the focus professional and respectful. 
I like that. Um, the, my approach very slightly, uh, and is more, has a greater risk of backfiring. Um, but here I'll, I'll tell you what my thought is and, and you can tell you all can tell me if you think that this would work or not. I am a huge fan of storytelling, um, and helping people see themselves in stories and, and similar situations. So when I see things like this and we, and we talk about a conversation that is either difficult to have with someone, maybe because they are a boss or maybe just because they're, I also think about people that are uh, really sensitive and not like sensitive, like, oh, I don't want to deal with their reaction, but sensitive, like the tiniest bit of feedback will crush their morale. If you've worked with someone like that, that, that scenario for me anyway, is, is really, really challenging. So I kind of enjoy the when situations come up and it could be a, a SHRM article that comes across my desk or, or it could be we're in another meeting and, and going to my supervisor afterward and saying, you know, what do you think about um, Tim being so casual in that meeting where he was really representing his team? Because I was thinking that how we dress really affects how people perceive us and our productivity, even in this, in this pandemic environment. And the idea being, of course, that this opens the door to a conversation where the person can either provide me feedback that I'm wrong in my, maybe I'm wrong. It, it's happened. It happened once in like 1987, I was wrong. Um, but it, it happens, you know, the, you can, you can learn in the conversation as well, or um, it provides them with the opportunity to reflect. Now, the reason that's risky, of course, is because it's incredibly passive and it could go right over their head. And then we just land right back with the the, the confrontational like, hey, I think you need to stop um, dressing like you just got out of bed. <laughs> well, and, uh, and I, I love what you just added there, too. So let's let's take a look at. Yes, we don't want to run the risk of being passive aggressive. And which because sometimes that, that's going to come off as like, hey, there was something she was trying to get at with me, but I'm not sure if we ever got there. Or we also have to take into consideration what is the self-awareness level of the person that we're talking to? Because yeah. they might, like you said, it might just go completely over their head if they're completely, um, you know, or I shouldn't say completely unself-aware, but not not very self-aware. So, so we do need to take that into consideration as well. I think too about the individual that having this conversation in a direct fashion puts them into a literal panic attack. Maybe this is like a stair step. You know, like maybe this is just a way to get halfway there while they learn to be very direct. <laughs> well, you know, and here's here's one other thing that I'll, I'll offer. And I always offer this in my training classes is I say, you know, if there's an idea here that you want to run with, especially if it's around a difficult conversation or something, and you don't feel like you have a way into the conversation, use me as an excuse. So like for today, you could say if, if, if this is, if you have casual in Connecticut as your coworker, your boss or, or a direct report, Coming out of today's webinar, you could say, hey, I was just on this webinar and the facilitators said, and then you're pinning it on us. So it doesn't feel like it came from you. I kind of call that the goal. It's like the Charlie and Chocolate Factory golden ticket. You know, that's your golden ticket from pretty much anything that Amy and I say today. That if it, if it would serve you in some way to pin it on us instead yeah. of, I was on this webinar with these two HR experts on workplace communication issues. And they said. Totally throw us under the bus. We're fine with it. Exactly. We can take it. <laughs> All right. Well, how about Fairmont? Fairness in Fairmont. So Fairness here has two employees and they've got kids at home. 
for one, the kids aren't any kind of interruption or distraction. They've got a setup in their home that works well for homeschooling. But for the other, the kids are constant distractions on calls. So what can I do to help the employee that has the distracting home environment? And look again at how wonderfully this is phrased. Looking for solutions, right? What, what, what are you going to tell Fairness in Fairmont, uh, Janelle? Do you want to take the lead on this one? I feel like I've been going first every time. I certainly can. So, so Fairness in Fairmont uh, struck a chord with me because like uh, a lot of leaders, uh, whether it's with kids or some other specific element, uh, it's sometimes challenging to talk about touchy subjects in which you have no personal experience. So I don't have kids at home. I was not balancing homeschooling or doing any of that. So I very much felt like I didn't have a vote in any of these situations. Again, media and articles and everything was saying that leaders have to be kind and we're all doing the best we can. And it's so hard to be parenting. And then I'm in a work environment where again, we've got to keep the lights on. So we, we have kind of that, that balance. So really hearkening back to what we talked about earlier, I think it is critical to focus on those facts and to, to really talk about what's happening in the environment. So maybe the issue isn't that there are children distracting um, the one employee, but rather it's the fact that the one employee took twice as long to deliver their content. So the why is just removed from the equation in the conversation. And then that opens the door for them to say, and this is one thing that I've heard a lot with people um, juggling a, a lot of those uh, conflicts in the, in the home environment. It opens the door for them to say, yes, I know it wasn't as smooth as I wanted. And here's what kept happening. And then we're back in that conversation again, right? Then we're, we're problem solving together and we're saying, hey, um, I read this article, this one person tried this one thing, or maybe it's as simple as saying, if I moved your reporting time to the first 15 minutes of the hour, could your significant other take care of the kids just for the first half? So if they're clanging in the background, you can just be on mute. You know, like it, it turns into that opportunity to solve the problem, not the home environment, because that's none of your business. So that's kind of kind of where I landed with a special shout out to all those problems that we may not have personal experience in. So what do you think, Janelle? All right. Well, I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction. I think the you know, fairness at the heart of it here is so it seems like it's you know, obviously very important to to the manager. And um, and it, it's not going to feel fair if you have to get either subpar work or all the interruptions or whatever from from that other employee. So I think because organizations, for the most part, force people to go home to work because of a public health and safety issue, then it is their business mm -hmm. to get in their to get in an employee's business. I think it is. It's on the, it's on the table now. Um, I think if this was an employee who was maybe um, who had request you know pre pandemic had requested to work from home and then was working from home and all these interruptions were happening, then no, I guess it's not suitable for you to work from home. But because we're forcing employees to be working from home, I think we get to get in their business. And I would say having that conversation again from a, from a, I want to coach and help. And, and I love what you mentioned about, you know, time shifting things. If we put your reporting here or there, or even if we reschedule some of our meetings to outside the school day, 
when those kids can, you know, realistically, more realistically be plugged into a TV or an iPad doing some sort of recre or, or playing outside or, you know, any, anything that's not disruptive to the, to the work environment. So I think taking that approach of like, Hey, because and, and another, a, a phrase I've been encouraging people to use throughout this pandemic is we're all in this together, but we're all experiencing it very differently. And I think that starts to get at the fairness aspect. I mean, I wouldn't bring up the, well, your, your colleague has this all figured out. I would, certainly wouldn't bring that up, but I would say we're all in this together. And I've been noting over time, over this past year or however long it's been, that um, you, know, you do have plenty of distractions in your environment. And maybe those aren't the same distractions that the rest of our team has, but I want to you know, help you see if we can. You know, and then I would also say, are you open to having a conversation about some ideas uh, about troubleshooting this? Or are you open to me sharing some resources with you and so forth? I like the idea of uh, just acknowledging that saying that other people have it all figured out is never helpful. No, like never. <laughs> this episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. So we had a great addition from the chat. Um, directing employees to employee assistance programs is never a bad thing. That is, that's a, a great point um, too. And Janelle, when you were talking, the other thing that I thought of, that's kind of like a cousin of this problem is uh, remember when we all went remote and I don't know what happened to the internet, but we had such issues with connectivity at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, and, and still today a little bit, but like, especially at the very beginning, it became very apparent that something that felt very, very out of the control of individuals was affecting how work was getting done. Um, and so, so sometimes what, what I was thinking of is sometimes there are situations that don't have as easy of a fix as it seems like it does from the outside. Like, for example, we don't know if the employee who's got it all figured out lives in a five bedroom home with a partner and the person who has kids who are interrupting them lives in, has one child, is a single parent and is in a, a, a um, or oh, what are those apartments that are only one room? Whatever those are the places like that are studio, only yeah studio studio apartment, apartment. yeah one bedroom apartment or whatever yeah. So we never had to even think about that before the remote work environment. I mean, like it just it just wasn't a thing. So that idea of starting the conversation and kind of exploring, you know, like some of those some of those other solutions is is uh, sometimes it's bigger, I guess. Yeah. That's and what I, I realized in the pandemic than than a lot of of what I thought of before. Yeah. And I, I think too, similar to what one of our um, attendees had chatted to us earlier about like, you know, this person might absolutely know that 
their children are a total distraction and they might be really open to having the conversation because now we finally get it out there and they might just need to release that pressure valve and say like, oh my gosh, my work from home environment and my children doing distance learning is just not all working together and it's making me crazy. And then you can be like, yeah, and it's making the rest of the team crazy too. We're confirming this is bad. (laughs) But I do think it does need to be handled with sensitivity as somebody chatted to us too, that some kids have disabilities. There could be some ADHD play. There could be any number of things that it's going to make one set of family dynamics totally different from another set of family dynamics. So we do need to address it sensitively. So is the is the short answer to Fairness and Fairmont's question that we need to find a way to start a conversation, it sounds like. Yeah. And again, as a public health measure, forced employees to work from home. I think we can now, you know, get in their living rooms, get in their, their dining rooms and wherever it is they're uh, doing their work from. It's To me, it's completely on the table. And I think it's interesting too, because having done remote work consulting, the the shift for me has always been to focus on results. So like, that's my go-to move. But even now talking about this pandemic shift and these considerations of environments, even that requires adjustment, right? Like, because to your point about how extensively the rules have changed. Yes. And, and I think this is all a conversation about setting expectations. And if you find yourself a year into the pandemic, not having set those expectations with your employees, it's not too late. Do it now. But kids, you want to start the the conversation about physical space. What does their workstation look like? What is that physical space in terms of other people, children, dogs, and cats, and all kinds of animals um, that people can have in their homes, walking across their keyboard and everything else? I mean, it it could just as easily be pets causing the distraction. Um, But if we don't have that physical space conversation to make sure the person is set up in a space that's going to support the rest of their work, then we can't expect them to have good work habits. And if they don't have good work habits, then the deliverables are going to suffer. So again, I think I would also keep this to the best of your ability, keeping this focused on the organizational outcomes. And that that way it's going to make the person feel, it's going to make fairness in Fairmont's employee feel less like they're being attacked for something that's completely out of their control and more about I'm using the plural pronoun again. Um, how can we support you or how can I support you in making some of these changes? And what works for one family isn't going to work for the next family. And it's such a great point, too, to talk about just the idea that it can be anything distracting the environment. You know, our scenario was kids. But like just in this one hour call, I, if you saw me dip off of camera, I was throwing a highlighter at my dog sleeping across the room because he was snoring really loudly. I was trying to wake him up. And then he has now moved from across the room to sleeping right next to me, snoring very loudly, right? Like, so there's, it's not, we're talking about kids and because that's what the the message was that came in, but um, it can be, I mean, it can be construction. It can be, it can be any number of things. So, um, okay. Uh, So our next question is hiding in Hamilton. So one of our coworkers frequently turns their camera off uh, and then back on again during meetings. And it makes me think They're continuously disengaging and multitasking. It feels disrespectful to me and to others. I'm going to call that out as an important point, but I can't require that people leave their cameras on or can I? How can I address this? And I think this is an interesting one because they gave away in their little description here that they've talked about this with other people as a, as a concern. So can't pass any judgment. I don't know how it came up, but that's kind of right away whenever I hear stories like this, one of my first red flags to say, like, let's make sure if we have a concern about a coworker, 
you know, that we're addressing it appropriately and that we aren't turning it into this like backbiting, you know, kind of um, negativity. But uh, what do you think about this on camera, off camera thing, Janelle? Well, I have some pretty strong feelings about cameras, cameras on, cameras on. Now, it sounds like hiding in Hamilton is the coworker, not the direct report. And so I think yes. this is where it becomes a little more nuanced. What I will say, if, if hiding in Hamilton was the employee of the person, you know, was the direct report rather than the coworker, then that changes the dynamic. And that, and then yes, that manager can absolutely require that people leave their cameras on. Now, you know, when you're talking about a peer situation, it's, it's more nuanced. You don't necessarily have that positional power to do that. Now, I think it's, it merits a conversation amongst the whole team about camera norms. And this is, you know, I mean, it's, it's new just because it's, um, well, it's not new anymore because we're a year plus into it. But just like any other uh, meeting, there should be ground rules and normative behavior that the team follows. And so I would, it seems like, yes, it seems like they're talking, uh, kind of doing a, an end run around the person who's got the, the camera thing. So I would go directly to the person. But I also think this merits bringing up a conversation about team norms, not just cameras. There's a bunch of other things related, you know, mute or not to mute. Again, I could, I could, I could talk about an hour about whether to mute or not to mute. But putting some normative behavior around online meeting dynamics, I think is incredibly important. And if it hasn't been done already, there's a good chance that the norms have developed, like this person, camera on, camera off, camera on, camera off, that are not necessarily healthy norms. Mm. This reminded, it reminded me of two things. One, I was just in a meeting with St. Mary's uh, and it was a team, it was a whole university. And the, the person facilitating started by saying, thanks for joining us over your lunch hour, because it was over the lunch hour. Um, and we'd just like you to uh, um, go ahead and if you'd like to turn your camera uh, to remain muted, um, you know, blah, 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 the normal. And then if you are enjoying, I think he said a savory meal um, while joining us, feel free to turn your camera off. And I I laughed, like see, he made light of it, but I was like, see right there, because I don't like, I wouldn't eat on camera, right? But I'm normally on camera. We're very on a very on-camera culture at St. Mary's, but I would not choose to eat on camera. Um, and, but he, he set the precedent. So just, just like you were saying, like he kind of set those ground rules, which I thought was just executed incredibly well. Uh, and then the other piece I'll add here, just really quickly for sake of time, um, is that there's a book called How to Become a Great Boss that talks about writing a contract to confront. And what that is, is at a neutral time, you come together and you set some guidelines and rules. So not in a meeting where half the people are on camera and half the people are off camera, do you then say, okay, we're going to meet again in an hour and we're going to talk about whether or not we should be on camera, right? Because then that's, you know, then you're in a yucky environment, uh, tons of environment already. But at a neutral time, you just say, let's talk about this and make a decision together and then moving forward, if you don't have your camera on, I will ask you to turn it on or vice versa. I will choose to turn my camera if, you know, if that's kind of what the team decides. Because in a neutral time, you agreed on rules of engagement. That's Should great. we try to squeeze one more in, Janelle? Sure. Let's do a speed round. One more. Okay. <laughs> Stuck in Sacramento. I was about to fire an employee just before the pandemic because they weren't a fit for the job. Um, during the pandemic, things didn't get better. So if I fire someone during difficult times, am I a terrible person? 
probably if you keep that person gainfully employed with your organization and they're not a fit and they're not doing good work, then you might be more likely to be a terrible person for that, I think. But if you flat out fire them without any coaching, without any additional effort to try to get them up to performance level, um, I don't know if I'd call you a terrible person, but I would say you're probably not doing your job as a manager. So step one, pull out all the stops to try to coach them up to performance level, let them know their job and their gainful employment with your organization is on the line, make an actual plan, and then be ready to follow all the steps that your organization has outlined in terms of how you let employees go if they're not working working up to par. Exactly what we would tell someone in a traditional environment. And maybe a little bit of, of this hiccup here is like a delay or a shift. But if you're a leader, you're caring for the many, mm-hmm. right? So if you let this person linger that isn't doing their work, I, th- I think you're doing the greater disservice by, by leaving them on. You're also right? damaging your own reputation too, because people then see you, I mean, everybody's Tolerating that. not addressing it. Yeah. Okay. For real, this is the last one. Senior leadership says some people won't be in the office when we come back and and some will. How do I prepare and how do you decide who works from home? We're down to the last minute. What's your off the top of your head advice, Janelle? Um, Make the location and the physical setup of the workspace match the work. That's what I say. (laughs) Match Uh, match the work and, and, and the culture too. And the culture. So for example, let me just give you a quick example. Um, I'm working with an organization that's got a number of call centers and there are seasoned employees who have been with them for a long time, are working, have been working from home since the pandemic started, but all the new employees who have onboarded since then are working in the office. The ones at home are really missing the camaraderie mm. that they have with their call center, so especially when they take a really, really mean, nasty caller. They would have the social support of each other because other people would be hearing over the cubicle walls how they were just abused by the caller. And so, and they got that social support. So in that case, even though those veteran employees have absolutely demonstrated being able to work from home, they want to be back together. The work, the nature of the work and and how in in that particular case, it requires socio-emotional support from their colleagues really kind of demands that it would be a better work environment if they were together. Match the job environment to the job description. That is the best advice that I can give. I I don't think I can say it any better. And it's a good thing because we're out of time to say it, Janelle. How did we just talk for an hour about all these amazing things? That was so much fun. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today and talking about uh, balancing this this new way of working and and really this transition into this different way of working as as we look ahead to the future. Alrighty then, in this session, Amy and I provided advice to Fairness in Fairmont and Hiding in Hamilton and Dividing in Daytona, but that was only half of our discussion. If you missed episode 19, go check it out. In that episode, we helped out Worried in Wilmington, Stressing in San Antonio, and Exercising in Edina. You can find that episode at workingconversations.com slash 19 or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, my friends, that's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, especially if you think they might be able to relate to one or more of the situations that we covered. And I'll see you here next week for another episode of Working Conversations. Until then, take good care. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. 
I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.